0: This podcast may contain explicit language. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan.
1: 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton.
0: Again, if you'd like to contact the show, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. That's DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. We're coming at you to review Week 9 of the NFL Slate 2020. Uh, before we get to that, though, I would will just say simply because I don't think anybody's reading either of the articles, and it's taken me uh, a bit of time. I'm getting a little um, swept up with my day-to-day work and everything else. I am currently suspending both the waiver wire and yay-nay columns for the time being. If you enjoyed those, if you read them regularly, um, or would like me to continue working on those, uh, I will, but please someone reach out and tell me that they're of any value to anyone other than basically stroking my own vanity. All right. Uh, Currently no big trade roundups, but uh, the trade deadline for a lot of leagues is coming up here in this next uh, week or so. We're more than halfway through the season. We're about two-thirds through the regular season. Uh, So just – Basic valuations, my buy low candidate of the week is Brandon Auk. Again, this is a guy we've talked about the last few weeks. I think he's getting more and more involved in the San Francisco offense, and as, you know, with how many injuries they have and they're going to need to throw the ball a lot because they're going to be down in games, uh, I just expect him to get a lion's share of the targets with George Kittle and Debo being out, although Debo is expected back here in the relatively uh, near future. And I just think he's a a very talented player in a very good potential offense with a great play caller. My sell-high candidate of the week is Josh Jacobs. Simply put, I think he is proving that uh, lack of carries he got at Alabama was no coincidence. Ultimately, even though the Raiders are giving him a ton of carries, he's just not productive in this offense, and it's like... Running into a brick wall half the time for him. His carries started declining this week. He's had some injury issues. Uh, he's just not a guy long term. And right now, his value might be some of the highest that you're going to ever get in return for it. So if I had him, uh, I might be willing to flip him out for uh, a rebuilding team that just needs uh, more assets or somebody that's looking for a playoff push type of situation that you can maybe get max value for him currently at this moment. All right, our favorite weekly what-I-got-wrong section. I think it's quite clear that I got Le'Veon Bell wrong. His stats just—he has not had opportunities. The Chiefs have run the ball even less the last few weeks. I I really don't know how to explain it or why they even bothered to sign him if they were just simply not going to use him. Even their third down passing game work went to Daryl Williams uh, this week. So unless they have some weird playoff push package that they're not unveiling until late in the season and all of a sudden he gets hot for the fantasy playoffs, I'm finding it very difficult to keep him on my team. Uh, and just simply not cut him. Uh, Justin Jefferson last week. Um, the uh, situation is, is as long as Delvin's ripping off 200 and some yards per game and multiple touchdowns, they're not going to need to throw the football. Uh, we talked about it on Sunday morning but when we did the, the last minute uh, pod for our preview episode, but... The Lions and Packers are some of the worst run defenses in the NFL, uh, fantasy-wise, and they got shredded. I think that Delvin's in for a little bit tougher week against the Bears this week, uh, a team that just shut down Derrick Henry. But who knows? I mean, Delvin is on such a hot streak right now that he might um, cut at them like a knife through butter. So I'm not going to make any judgment or prediction on that one. Uh, my upset pick of the week, this is the first one I've gotten wrong in a while, but the Bears did not uh, pull it out. They lost 24-17, to 17, which we'll get to here in a second. The Seahawks on the road, uh, you correctly predicted that one. I used that one as my uh, survivor pick last week, so I finally lost nine weeks into the season. Uh, I thought for sure with the way the Bills had been playing and that the Seahawks were going to be a little bit upset over – you know, having to go cross country or doing, you know, who knows what, that they would be a little motivated and they completely crapped the bed for most of the first half. Uh, And finally, the Saints. I think everybody in the league got that game wrong, but we'll get to that one in a second. So uh, let's just get to a quick roundup of our league, although I don't know how much interest anybody has in, in our individual league, but just for our own sakes, uh, Shad Dynasty is in first place after another hard-fought win against Rogers Rabbits, 157.25 to 108.8. Uh, King in the North finally takes over top of the division uh, after another uh, big win over a division rival, or excuse me, interdivision rival. Uh, Akron Pros, 154.15 to 146.65. Uh, Tom Terrific loses another game, uh, his third in a row, to L- the currently surging LDH, 151.85 to 116.5. He is now dropped to third place, The and LDH is up into fifth. Dynasty football team wins another uh, scraper, 127.3 to 94.5 uh, to dumpster fire, uh, clearly tanking for Trevor. Um <laughs> He should just change his name to the dudes. Anyway, uh, New Boot Goofin loses to drop to 2-7 and, and last place in the league to Ed Winters, th- currently 3-6, and six, 114.9 to 93.45. And we already mentioned Rogers Rabbits. So the rundown, again, Shad Dynasty, number one, King in the North, number two, Tom Terrific, number three, Dynasty Football Team, number four, LDH, number five, Akron Pro is in the last spot for the current playoff run at 3-6 and six, at number 6. Ed Winters at 7, Dumpster Fire at 8, Rogers Rabbits at 9, and New Boot Goofin at 10. All right, so let's jump into our weekly roundup. Let's start over with the Ravens at Colts. Uh, Ravens win this game 24-10. Uh, Lamar Jackson, 170 yards passing, 13 carries, 58 yards rushing, and one touchdown. Hollywood Brown, five targets, three catches, 38 yards. Mark Andrews, five targets, three catches for 22 yards. J.K. Dobbins, 12 carries for 30 yards. Jonathan Taylor, six carries, 27 yards, uh, one touchdown on a goal line carry. Two targets, two catches, seven yards. Jordan Wilkins outsnaps him and outcarries him, especially in the second half. 11 carries, 39 yards, two targets, two catches, minus one yard. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who made his comeback last week after his uh, leg injury that took him out most of the first half of the season, seven targets for four catches and 56 yards. These are some of the two strongest defenses, or these are two of the strongest defenses in the NFL. There was a was it a pick six or a scoop and score uh, that was in this one, but I think I called a defensive touchdown in this game in our preview the other day. So because of the strength of the two defenses, do you take anything away from this game with a grain of salt?
1: You know, I was actually pretty impressed with Jonathan Taylor uh, before he fumbled. Uh, he was out snapping uh, the rest of the running back group. They ended up, I think they each had 25 snaps and Jonathan Taylor had 22. And in the second half, I think he got out by both of them by eight snaps each. So he was cruising until he got, until he fumbled. He was up to five carries for 25 yards, which is, you know, five yards a carry at a touchdown. So, um, I think, I think they're, they're trying to slowly bring him along. And again, he's not performing up to expectations and he messes up. They, he keeps getting bounced back down. Um, Frank Wright also did say today he's excited to continue with the running back by committee. So, I mean, but honestly, I was I was pretty encouraged in Taylor until he fumbled.
0: OK, was it worse uh, for him to fumble or Philip Rivers in trying to tackle Marcus Peters?
1: I don't even he got bit by the <laughs> turf monster. You saw that, right? And then I just mean, fell straight out his back. He's so.
0: trying to, yeah, he's trying to <laughs> tackle him like he's an upturned.
1: And then he just laid there, yeah. So, yeah, he's old. He's old, you could tell.
0: All right, let's go on to the Broncos at Falcons. Broncos lose this one 27-34, falling again uh, behind early, only to try and make a resurgent comeback in the end and falling short this week. Drew Lock, 313 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception, seven carries, 47 yards and a touchdown. Noah Fant has a good early drive, three catches on three targets for 45 yards, but he was dinged up after that and really didn't have much of an effect on the game uh, thereafter. Jerry Judy, though, 14 targets in total, seven catches, 125 yards and a touchdown. Matt Ryan throws for 284 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Todd Gurley continues to rack up some uh, stats on the stat sheet. 19 carries, 53 yards, a touchdown, two targets, two catches for two total yards. Uh, Julio Jones with a below average week, but still a solid one. Uh, Seven targets, five catches, 54 yards, and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst quietly with a nice day, eight targets for seven catches and 62 yards. So currently, where would you put Noah Fant and Hayden Hurst in your tight end rankings?
1: For me, um, in 12-man leagues, they'd both um, be in my top 12, uh, so they'd be tight end ones for me. Um, I think Hayden Hurst would be right there at the edge, like number 12. I'd put Noah Fant right there in the middle, around like five or six or something like that. They're both decently young, um, still productive, and um, For Hurst, I mean, you got Matt Ryan as your quarterback, so um, I like the prospect of that.
0: So, there, I think there's a clear top three. Travis Kelsey's number one, George Kittle's number two, Darren Waller's pretty much number three. Then after that, it kind of drops off a bit where you're talking about John U. Smith, Mark Andrews, um, probably Noah Fant, somewhere in that, that vicinity. That's, that's that
1: where of. I would put Noah Fant, yeah, absolutely.
0: And then you might start putting in the T.J. Hawkinsons, the Dallas Goddards, the uh, Evan Ingrams, the uh, Hayden Hurst, somewhere
1: yep. in
0: that that grouping <laughs> of players. Exactly. And yeah, that's about roughly where I would have it this year. I mean, the target end market is, is pretty savage right now. And so if you have one of those few guys, I mean, they're very precious, but... So, ultimately, if you have, like, Travis Kelsey, I wouldn't be trading them away. Um,
1: Whoever has Travis Kelsey, reach out to me. Um, Let me know before Saturday.
0: Mm. (laughs) But I guess uh, they're they're quietly, they're younger guys. They're both former first-round picks that I think, can grow within their systems and um, offer a lot more consistency at the, the position overall. And I think anybody that traded uh, Noah Fant earlier in the season might be kicking themselves a little <laughs>
1: Anyway. Moving on.
0: Yeah, moving on. Next question I have, though. Uh, are you excited for what Jerry Judy put up this weekend with Drew Locke?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, um, just moving ahead to the second part of your question. Um, I think this, um, affects Cortland Sutton, um, a lot earlier than I thought it was going to. I, if you recall, um, this summer, I said that by the beginning of next year, Jerry Judy would have, uh, he'd be the number one wide receiver. Um, and i like Cortland Sutton a lot. I just think Jerry Judy is that damn good. Um, so, uh, I think it's just this just gives him a head start. So yeah, I think this bounces Cortland Sutton down to the second wide receiver on the squad because I think this is this is going to be Jerry Judy's team for a while.
0: And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's bad timing that Sutton had that knee injury; he's going to be out for the whole year. But like they have quite a few different targets. Obviously, the Broncos are not going anywhere this season. So you'd like them to take a top 10 possible pick and turn that into a a better offensive line or uh, a little bit more defensive power, something of that nature where they can build out the rest of their team. But I think Drew Locke has been somewhat impressive the last couple of weeks. I wouldn't say he's going to be an elite quarterback, but can he be an above average starter with a good team around him? Sure, I, I think that they've done a decent job building the rest of the team around him uh, to the point where he might be able to be successful. Obviously, he's better than anything else they had around or behind him, so uh, they just need him to stay healthy. Seahawks get a surprising loss at the Bills, 34-44. to uh, The Bills g- jumped out to a lead pretty early and kept it going from that point. Russell Wilson, 390 yards passing, two touchdowns, but four turnovers overall, two carries, five yards, and a touchdown on the ground. DK Metcalf continues to just put up numbers. Nine targets, seven catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett, seven targets for four catches and 40 yards. Josh Allen with his best game of the season, probably to this point, 415 yards passing, three touchdowns, seven carries, 14 yards rushing, and a touchdown. Uh, Stephon Diggs, 12 targets, 9 catches, 118 yards. John Brown, uh, who's now finally healthy, 11 targets for 8 catches and 99 yards in this game. Zach Moss, uh, surprisingly, did get uh, quite a bit of carries, but he was also effective in the passing game. 9 carries for 18 yards and a touchdown, 2 catches on 2 targets for 30 yards total. So, Would you classify this, though, as Josh Allen being back to what he was early in the season, or was this just a matter of him playing the Seahawks' defense?
1: Yeah, I don't want to jump to him being back quite yet. The Seahawks, we've been talking about all year long, their defense is god-awful, especially stopping the pass. Um, So I need to see a little bit more out of Josh Allen moving forward to be able to stand up on, on a bridge and be like, yeah, this guy is back.
0: What bridge would you be standing on?
1: Any bridge. Any bridge to be able to stand up there safely and be like, yeah, he's back.
0: I suppose there are a few bridges in Milwaukee, right? (laughs) The
1: Hone Bridge? That's a big one.
0: Okay. (laughs) I'm probably with you on that one. I think it was a really good matchup. They had a really good game plan going in, but... Part of it is is they've been trying to establish the run for a while, and it hasn't been effective. And so now that they've gone back to a much more pass-heavy scheme, I wonder if that's going to uh, loosen things up and, and get him in rhythm a little bit more. But he's been out of sorts since that Titans game. And I, I just, for what he was early in, er, uh, in the season, I think people are expecting bigger things, and hopefully this is a good bounce back for him. Bears lose at the Titans, 17-24. to Derrick Henry, 21 carries for 68 yards, uh, probably his lowest output of the entire season so far. A.J. Brown, though, nine targets, four catches, 101 yards at a touchdown, including a long score in this game. Nick Foles, 335 yards passing, two touchdowns. David Montgomery has an okay day for a little bit until he gets hurt. We don't know whether or not he will be capable of going next week. Allen Robinson, uh, another decent day. Nine targets, seven catches, 81 yards. Anthony Miller is quietly making a comeback on this team now that Nick Foles is uh, throwing the ball effectively. Eight targets for five catches and 59 yards. Is there any concern for you, though, with the Titans' offense?
1: I mean, the Titans' offense is who I feel like they are, um, especially if Derrick Henry's not really going. Um, it's going to slow everything down because everything starts and ends with him. Um, but they're going to be good for you know twenty to thirty points each game. They're going to run the ball a lot. Uh, Tannehill is going to throw for around two hundred yards, maybe a couple scores, um, and that's what their offense is. So I think this is just a typical Titans offensive game. I just think they had a tougher day than normal.
0: And do you think uh, Anthony Miller is worth a speculative ad? Yeah, I'd stash him, but
1: he's still clearly the number number three wide receiver on that team behind Allen Robinson and, what's his name, Mooney, right?
0: Darnell Mooney.
1: Yeah, so I think he's still the number three wide receiver behind those guys.
0: Well, I think that they've really figured out teams were going to start taking away Allen Robinson, and they're very limited at running back right now, but they're starting to target a lot or even out the targets among all three of those guys. And even Jimmy Graham, to a certain extent, is getting in the action. Like, the Bears' offense is still somewhat limited, uh, and that might be saying something. But they're at least becoming more fantasy-relevant with how much they're spreading the ball around. Uh, Panthers lose at the Chiefs 31-33 to in an actually very good uh, and surprisingly uh, well-played game. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. He just doesn't have off games. 372 yards passing, four touchdowns. Travis Kelsey on 12 targets has 10 catches, 159 yards. Tyreek Hill, 18 targets, 9 catches, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. Le'Veon Bell and CEH are again limited in this game as basically the Chiefs forget that uh, they have the ability to run the football. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, though, in his first game back, 18 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown on the ground, 10 catches, 82 yards through the air, and one touchdown, proving yet again how valuable he truly is. Unfortunately, in the last part of the game, he hurts his shoulder, and we don't know about his availability moving forward. Curtis Samuel, 9 catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown, 3 carries for 13 yards. He continues to improve his viability as a fantasy option moving forward. Uh, Robbie Anderson, 13 targets, 9 catches for 63 yards in this game. D.J. Moore with the pitiful 3 targets, 2 catches for 18 yards. Teddy Bridgewater, 310 yards passing, 2 touchdowns, 2 carries, 19 yards, 1 touchdown. So what are your concern levels, I guess, 1 through 10 for D.J. Moore, Le'Veon Bell, and CEH?
1: I'll just do DJ Moore because I own
0: him and you do Le'Veon because you own him and
1: CEH because you watch a lot more of the Chiefs than I do. It's surprising to me how they don't utilize DJ Moore more. You know, Curtis Samuel the last two weeks has out-targeted him and Robbie or Roddy Anderson Robbie Anderson, sorry, has been out-targeted him most weeks this year. Um, and that's crazy to me for a guy that had such a – good year last year you know he had 135 targets last year he had 87 catches for over a thousand yards um, almost 1,200 yards but only four touchdowns Um, through nine games he has 640 yards and three touchdowns so he's on pace for yards and for touchdowns especially Um, just the targets and everything isn't there Um, so when he does get the ball he is producing he's only 23 years old So he's got a lot of career left. Um, It's just its really surprising to me why they haven't made him more of a focal point of the offense. So my concern level, I guess it's not really for him. It's for his involvement in the offense. And I guess it would be between like a six, around six and a seven. And it's not because I don't think he's a good player. It's just the opportunities for me, for him, are not there.
0: I'm going to go with a six for the rest of the season for DJ Moore, because I don't think it's going to change. This is what he is. He's going to have a big week one week and then he'll completely drop off the next. And he's just going to be this up and down guy to the point where I don't feel I would consistently have him as one of my top wide receivers locked in. He would be more of a flex option for me because you'd be a little bit more matchup dependent, uh, potentially. As far as panic levels or concern levels on Le'Veon Bell and CEH, I was really hopeful. They keep making a joke on the ESPN Fantasy podcast about uh, guys that move away from Adam Gase and have just better careers afterward. Le'Veon Bell's 28. I still think he's talented. I You only need to look to last season when he had a worse offensive line with the Jets to know that he's talented. But, but right now... The Chiefs aren't giving it to any of their running backs. It, it's confounding that they're as good as they are, as explosive as they are, and they have almost this entire one dimension of their game that's completely taken away. So, I think his long-term value is better than his short-term value. But right now, you'd have to say that, like, he's if you're in a redraft league, he's barely um, worth keeping on your roster. Like. It, Nothing seems to have changed. In fact, his positional value might be even worse. As far as CEH, I think, so first off, before Le'Veon Bell even got there, I think he had more total yards already this year than Damian Williams had all of last year. So, I mean, that that tells you something right off the bat. But I think his short-term concern level is high. His long-term concern level is moderate. So I'm going to go maybe a 3 or a 4. Just because I, I I'm concerned about his strength strength levels on goal line runs and some of these other things, but I don't know. Maybe in another off season with this team, they figure out how to use him a little bit better when he's they've got actual time to work with him in a, a off season structural program. But I mean, the Chiefs are winning, so I can't really say that they're doing anything wrong. It's just they're they're kind of handcuffing them. in a way they don't need to so but that does bring me to another question that I have for a guy that really has not had any drop-off games all season we've seen Aaron Rodgers have a couple of clump clunkers we've had Josh Allen completely fall off Uh, we had Kyler Murray that's been up and down at times but uh, and Russell Wilson has had a couple of, like, huge turnover games that have led to losses against the Bills and the Cardinals. So, my argument right now would be that the most consistent, the best player has been Patrick Mahomes. Would he possibly be your MVP for the, for the league right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, because one, quarterback is, I mean, MVP is kind of a quarterback award, so... Yeah, I, I feel like he's been the best quarterback so far this year. Absolutely.
0: I I just don't. Uh, how to put it? I don't know who else is going to be the front runner right now. If I were to put a front runner on it, I would probably say him. You know how we had the argument earlier in the year that it was Wilson because of how much he had to basically will his team to wins, especially with how bad the rest of the team was around him. And I think it's going to be the Achilles' heel. But I don't know. I I don't know of anybody else around him uh, that's really making a statement case this year. And I think to a certain level of default, maybe somebody will really um, assert themselves this last half of the season. But I, I haven't seen it yet in order to really take me away from the guy who I think is the best quarterback in the game, bar none. So let's move to Viking or uh, the Lions at the Vikings. Uh, this game was not nearly as close as the score would indicate. The Lions lose thirty-four to twenty. I'm gonna do this, so just bear with me for a second. Dalvin, <laughs> really crappy joke. Anyway, twenty-two carries, two hundred and six yards on the ground, two touchdowns, two catches. 46 yards in the air. He is the absolute do-it-all for the Minnesota Vikings right now. Justin Jefferson, four targets, three catches, 64 yards. Adam Thielen, five targets, two catches, 38 yards. DeAndre Swift has a nice uh, little game, more or less, in this. Uh, 13 carries, 64 yards, five targets, three catches, 33 yards. TJ Hawkinson, uh, five catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Quietly putting up a decent uh, fantasy season so far. But can we just basically declare Dalvin the fantasy MVP right now? Uh,
1: man, What he has been doing, especially the last uh, two weeks, um, but especially like the last five weeks, um, has been truly unbelievable. He's so fast, I like watching him, he's just so fast. Out of the last five games, he's been under 130 yards once. Um, against Seattle, he only had 65 yards. Um, 180 against game Tennessee. Game. Yeah, 180 against Tennessee, 130 against Houston, 163 against Green Bay, and 206 against Detroit. Multiple touchdowns in every single one of those games. He even had um, a touchdown in the game he got hurt. So multiple touchdowns in every single one of those games except for two. Um, Yeah, super fun to watch. I'm glad he's on my team. I
0: I don't think there's a whole lot more I can add to that discussion, but would you think, are Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson even usable right now with how well they're running the ball?
1: No, I mean, not that they're not usable. It's just, you know, if the game script goes the way that Minnesota wants it to go, they're not going to want to use their wide receivers. The only time the wide receivers are going to be a huge focal point is if they're down big. So if they're underdogs in a game, yeah, I'd start the wide receivers. Um, if you think they're going to have a tough game, yeah, I'd start the wide receivers, but if they're going to be cruising, doing everything they want to do, they're going to want to run the ball and they're going to want to give it to Delvin as much as possible.
0: I, th- I don't think it has any comment on the wide receivers themselves. I think it has a comment on Kirk Cousins. I think that's that's the issue. They want to take the ball as much as they can away from him and not try and make him make plays to win the game, which is really saying something for the guy that you're paying like $30 million. Yep. The New York Giants win on the road at Washington 23-20. to Kyle Allen breaks his ankle in an absolutely disgusting play. I don't know what it is about this year with broken ankles and that franchise, but uh, it's just, I, I watched that and like my stomach turned inside out. Alex Smith uh, comes in and tries to a- ably back him up 325 yards through the air, one touchdown, three interceptions. Terry McLaurin, eight targets, seven catches, 115 yards and a touchdown. J.D. McKissick quietly had the second-best running back game of the weekend. Three carries for 17 yards, 14 targets for nine catches and 65 yards. Evan Ingram, 10 targets for five catches, 48 yards and a score. Sterling Shepard, eight eight targets, six catches, 39 yards, one carry for 18 yards. Is Terry McLaurin a locked-in number one wide receiver?
1: Yeah, I I think he's a wide receiver one right now, um, and a lot of that has to do with, like, a target share that he's getting as well. Um, every single game, he's had at least seven targets, at least seven targets. In multiple games, he's had double-digit targets. Um, the only issue with him is he only has three touchdowns so far. So, I mean, he's it's a lot of catches and a lot of yards, but with the team that he plays on, obviously, there's not a lot of scoring, but... Yeah, I'd for sure um, knock him into the top 12 for sure as a wide receiver one.
0: I would tend to agree. I think that with the volume he's getting, even on that team, that uh, he's likely to continue to deliver the, the, the heavy load that he's going to be working with. And ultimately, I wouldn't put him up with some of the studs uh, of the game that are just like absolutely going bonkers. But is he capable of being in that 5 through 10 range? I think most definitely. Texans win on the road in Jacksonville, 27 to 25. Deshaun Watson, 281 yards passing, two touchdowns, 10 carries for 50 yards in that game. Um, Will Fuller, a week after almost getting traded again, five catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. David Johnson is hurt early in this game, it sounds like, with a concussion. Uh, He leaves and uh, gives way to Duke Johnson, who... He has a lot of carries, but doesn't really do a whole lot with it. James Robinson, 25 carries, 99 yards, and a score. He is currently number four uh, for the total season for running backs. Not bad for a guy that was undrafted and uh, pretty much undrafted by most people in every league this year. DJ Chark, uh, 12 targets, 7 catches, 146 yards, and a touchdown. He had a long touchdown in this one early. So... Even with the backup quarterback in for Gardner Minshew, which we talked about the other day on our preview episode, can you count DJ Chark as back?
1: I don't know. I guess I'm going to still need to see a little bit more just because there is that um, uh, backup quarterback that he's working with. Um, But yeah, you can't deny his talent. So he's one to watch. But yeah, I'd, I'd say he's someone that could end up being a person that you for sure think about starting each and every week.
0: I think the target share is definitely encouraging, but right now doing it with a third string or I guess a second string quarterback, gives me a little bit of pause. I'd like to see it again before I really have true confidence putting him right back into the lineup because of how much he's been hurt this year. But with the big plays and the other things that he does, uh, or in this game, it gives you at least some level of confidence moving forward that he might be a viable option uh, for you. You just might want to wait another week to make sure. Should you trade James Robinson? You
1: know, I have to admit I was 110% wrong about James Robinson. We both thought he would kind of just be a flash in the pan, but um, he's turning out to be a very productive back. That being said, I don't know how much stock I'm buying in him um, to to continue this throughout his career. So if I get a decent enough trade offer for him, yeah, I think I would trade him. Um, Depending on where my team is sitting at right now, if I'm sitting towards the bottom of a league or something like that in a dynasty league and I could get an extra pick or something like that or some young talent um, that just has a better pedigree, yeah, I would be looking at that too. I don't know if I'm sitting there thinking that I can build a team around him. I'm not there yet. What about you?
0: I don't know if he has any value beyond this season right now. This year, he has been extraordinarily good. And for what you got him for, f- being able to flip him for um, a bunch of assets it- mm-hmm. is probably your best play. Because it's, it's very possible that Jacksonville is going to be drafting in the top ten, likely in the top five. And at that point, who knows what they're going to end up with. You're talking about early in the second round, they could come back around and draft a running back to pair with their um quarterback their quarterback
1: yeah absolutely
0: and at that point you know where where is his value his value right now has been that he is the sole guy on a team that's going to be constantly down and running and throwing the ball and he's gotten all the volume that could not or that could go away very quickly and if that's the case. I think his his value plummets. And he might be a great fantasy Hall of Famer one of these days for, like, the season that he's putting up right now, but his long-term viability as a dynasty prospect, I don't know. There's just so much uncertainty that I'd I'd feel better trying to sell out and be uh, wrong than I would be holding on to him and being right.
1: Yeah. No, yeah. I, uh... I agree with that one hundred and ten percent. It's just if you knowing what he was, you should be lucky first and foremost that you have him. Then to be able to flip him for something that's really, really nice—that would be something that I would be that I would be looking into, and something that I, frankly, would have been looking into since like week three.
0: Is Deshaun Watson a locked-in top-five quarterback?
1: Locked in. I'm not quite there yet, but he is very, very good um, now where I would think about starting him each and every single week. But I don't think he's a set it and forget it type of a guy yet just because the team that he's playing on. um, We know he has to throw the ball a lot. We know he's probably going to be playing from behind a lot. Therefore, he's got to make a lot of plays, but that can also get you into a lot of trouble as well.
0: I'm concerned about his two games against Indianapolis coming in the playoffs um, in that first and third week. So that would be either the first game of the playoffs or that potential championship game and what that might do to his um, overall ability. But here's the other side of it. The long-term value, they do not have... um, I don't think they have a first or second round pick this next year. Uh, I know they don't have at least a first round pick. They're Uh a middling talent football team, and they converted a ton of money to other guys. They're likely not going to be able to keep Will Fuller, which is why they were entertaining trading him. So for the rest of the season, they're both in a good position, but what is that going to say going forward? So right now i don't i think there are maybe three other quarterbacks i'd rather have over him but moving forward there's a there's a ton of uncertainty moving into his uh next couple of years with that franchise that give me pause i did he sign his big extension yes he did sign a big extension yeah he did yep so he's kind of locked in with that franchise and Boy, they're going to need some help after kind of the uh, wreckage that was the Bill O'Brien GM era.
1: Experiment.
0: Sure. Let, let, let's be nice about it, I guess. The Raiders win on the road in Los Angeles 31-26 to 26 over the Chargers. Justin Herbert continues to have an absolutely great rookie season. 326 yards passing, two touchdowns, five carries for 24 yards on the ground. Keenan Allen, 11 targets, nine receptions, 103 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Williams goes for seven targets on for five catches, 81 yards. Hunter Henry, seven targets, four catches, 33 yards. Caitlin Bellage comes out of nowhere after Justin Jackson goes down in this game. 15 carries, 69 yards, one touchdown, three targets, two catches, 15 yards. Derek Carr, only 165 yards and two touchdowns in this game. Josh Jacobs, 14 carries, 65 yards, one touchdown, one target, one catch for three yards. Devontae Booker also comes in for eight carries, 68 yards, and a touchdown. Number one, is Kalen Balazs worth a pickup?
1: Um, No, because he was actually put back on the practice squad, I think, early this morning. Now, to add on to that, why? (laughs) You know, he had such a really good game um, before he had a lot of potential, but who did he play for before?
0: Maybe that's a sign that uh, Austin Eckler is ready to come back, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't understand... All of the machinations with the Chargers, they're an incredibly talented team that just cannot seem to close, and I don't get it. But that franchise is headed in the right direction, if you ask me, long-term. It's just they've had some really bad losses this year. Is it panic time, though, for Josh Jacobs?
1: I'm actually going to set this one back to you, because uh, you've been a little bit more harsh on Josh Jacobs than I have. So I kind of want to hear your reasoning.
0: His per carry is something we've talked about a yeah, lot in the show. Yep, yeah, he it was like 3.4, off right? from last season. I know he's dealing with some injuries, but for the sheer volume that he's getting, he should be producing a lot more, and he just seems to be getting more volume this year with less efficiency. And if his volume were to ever drop like it did in this game, uh, this might be his first game in a long time that I can remember with him under 20 carries. I just, I don't know with how limited he is in the passing game, how viable he's going to remain as a RB one. And you think it's so,
1: a, do you think it's like fact, a sophomore slump, or
0: I don't know. I think he he was really good for several games last year against some bad teams. He was really good week one against the Panthers. And since then, he's just really had a tough time trying to sustain any level of efficient play. And I think, long term, I'm looking at him as a guy who is a Trent Richardson-like type of player.
1: Damn.
0: Like, they have one really good year. And he's been viable this year, even to a certain extent. But that... He just kind of flames out really quickly. I I think if you're, uh, unfortunately, compared to Trent Richardson, that's like five-alarm fire. Right.
1: That's what I'm saying. Damn.
0: I don't know. Where are you at? Um,
1: I mean, the yards per carry is worrisome. The amount of work that he's getting absolutely is worrisome. But for me, I guess the only saving grace is he's still very, very young. There was no off-season program. I'm not quite yet panicking. If you can get, I'm with you though. If you can get a decent trade for him, I would take that route as well. Just you know, just to protect yourself. But um, he showed me enough last year where I can wait it out. I think a little bit this year, just to see what he can come back with next year.
0: The Steelers pull off the late comeback win to stay undefeated over the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Ben Roethlisberger, 306 yards and three touchdowns. He unfortunately went on the COVID list this morning. Uh, He is currently tested negative, but they're apparently taking precautions with that. As we mentioned in our preview episode, that there isn't really one um, wide receiver one for the Pittsburgh Steelers at the moment. Juju Smith-Schuster is the... Uh, primary beneficiary in this game, but uh, they kind of spread the ball around. Juju Smith-Schuster had seven targets, six catches, 93 yards, and a touchdown. Chase Claypool, 13 targets, eight catches, 69 yards. Deontay Johnson, 10 targets for six catches and 77 yards. Uh, Unfortunately, James Conner had a tough game, nine carries, 22 yards, uh, two targets for two receptions and negative two yards. His fantasy value was um, crap, to say the least. Ezekiel Elliott, 18 carries, 51 yards, two catches for 18 yards. Tony Pollard, a efficient, nine carries for 57 yards, two targets for one catch and one yard. C.D. Lamb has a decent comeback game, seven targets, four catches, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Mari Cooper, six targets for five catches, 67 yards. After this game, though, do you have a clearer picture of both the Cowboys and Steelers wide receivers groups after uh, what we saw on Sunday?
1: I mean, for the Cowboys, you're going to be touchdown dependent, right? You know, you're going to get a handful of catches for a handful of yards. Um, But to make your day worth it, you're going to need a touchdown, and that's what C.D. Lamb got. Um, For the Steelers, you found out that um, Big Ben can support um, three wide receivers, um they each had a decent amount of opportunities um they both they all had a decent amount of receptions as well so uh, i think that makes you feel a little bit better if you have one of these three steeler wide receivers
0: i think both of these teams are going to spread the ball out a lot and by extension that means that any one of these guys could have a bigger game than normal But I think they're all going to see a high volume of targets, especially the Cowboys if they're going to be down in games. I can't imagine that they're going to have games where they're playing from ahead a lot of the game like they did in this one. So I I do think that it gives me a little bit more encouragement that their offensive line seems to be holding up enough to be able to throw the ball against somebody like Pittsburgh, who has a great front seven that we've talked about a lot and that they could possibly do quite a few things in that regard. So maybe there might be uh, a pathway to one of them um, being uh, a flex option down the stretch here. Not one that I would be, like, banking on necessarily, but in a decent enough matchup, I could feel comf- comfortable starting. Uh, Dolphins win on the road uh, against the Cardinals, 34-31. to 31. Tua Tagovailoa after a rough first start, but still a win. He is 2-0 as the starter, 248 yards passing, two touchdowns, seven carries for 35 yards. Devontae Parker, seven targets, six catches for 64 yards, especially after Preston Williams goes out with a touchdown catch uh, early in this game. We hope that he's going to be okay. Kyler Murray puts up a huge statistical game again. 283 yards passing, three touchdowns, 11 carries, 106 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. Uh, Chase Edmonds filling in for the injured uh, Kenyon Drake, 25 carries, 70 yards, three catches, 18 yards. New Hopkins, three targets, three catches, 30 yards. Uh, Christian Kirk, eight targets, five catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown, although most of that was coming on one big play. What is your projection for... Chase Edmonds for the rest of the year?
1: I mean, he's obviously a better running back than Kenyon Drake, right? You can just see it, like, watching the game. You just see that he's better. Um, so I, I think they're going to work him. Um, you saw that he had 25 carries just like that. Um, I think he'll get more opportunity in the passing game as well. So um, if you were if you happen to grab Chase Edmonds off of waivers or you were holding on to him, you got to be pretty happy. That I think um, you might have a decent running back to for the rest of the uh, rest of the way. Safely running back too.
0: Yeah, especially if Drake is not healthy enough to play, where he's going to be the primary guy getting almost all of the volume. Right, I, I would tend to agree. Is this a great first step for Tua as a basically matching his uh, counterparts in Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow?
1: I mean, that was a fun freaking game to watch, right? Like, watching Kyler and Tua go at it. Tua was very, very impressive. He made a lot of tough throws, um, hung on there, um, took a lot of tough hits as well, but he was also able to escape the pocket, and that's what we've seen um, with his new breed of quarterbacks. Um, their feet, um, their ability to keep plays alive, but also their ability to scramble, which keeps their floor um, not as low. So, um, Tua... Yeah, he's going to be a pretty good one.
0: I'm very encouraged that we're getting better coaching around younger quarterbacks and guys that are able to adapt their systems to these younger guys, Um, especially with the RPOs and all of the other things that as we move along, especially because I see the league getting away from the Tom Brady's, the Drew Brees's, the Aaron Rodgers, the guys that hold on just a little bit too long. And even though they're all having decent seasons, I can't see Lamar Jackson and, you know, some of these other guys going for, you know, into their late thirties, forties, the same way that some of this current crop has gone. I, I just, maybe they'll hit 35, 36, and then, okay, this is about a good stopping point because they're just not going to be nearly as effective as they were, a lot of what they're doing is extending the play, avoiding the pass rush, being able to make extraordinary plays because of their just sheer athletic prowess. And you see that on both sides of it. Kyler's obviously a special player in that regard. But Joe Burrow is able to extend a lot of plays, do some things with his legs. He's an incredibly um, strong athlete. is uh, kind of in the same vein. Uh, Justin Herbert's been able to do that so far, and we got a couple of other guys that are extremely athletic that are going to be coming out of the draft that uh, have better than um, average uh, athletic ability and speed in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and I, I'm very encouraged for the course of the NFL. If basically every team starts to have better quarterback play, there will be less franchises that are snake bitten, and it just makes everything more fun when you just have exciting quarterback play on a week-to-week basis. Saints um, blow out the Buccaneers. This was not close at all. Uh, 38-3 on the road in Tampa. Drew Brees, 222 yards, four touchdowns. Taysom Hill has probably the best game of his season. 48 yards passing, seven carries, 54 yards, one touchdown, or excuse me, one reception for 21 yards. Alvin Kamara puts up a ho-hum, nine carries, 40 yards, and a touchdown with five catches for nine yards. Michael Thomas makes his return, six targets, for five catches, 51 yards. Tom Brady, 209 yards, three interceptions. And the team only ran for a total of eight yards for the entire team. Oh. Mike Evans, six targets, four catches, 64 yards. Chris Godwin, six targets, three catches, 41 yards. Antonio Brown, in his return to football, five targets, three catches, 31 yards. And surprisingly, Leonard Fournette, six catches for 41 yards. So I'm going to ask you the exact same question I did during the middle of the game. Uh, I texted this one to you. I think it's a really good question because of how we've been talking about Tampa Bay all season. Does this change your perception of Tampa Bay, or does it confirm it?
1: They they looked just shell-shocked, and it looked early, too. I mean, they went three and out their first couple possessions. Um, and then honestly, I'm not going to lie. Like I was caught up doing something else. And then I came back to watch the game and the saints were up like three touchdowns and I wasn't gone that long. So it happened pretty quickly. I want to say that this is a one-off I do, but I think the Buccaneers, they're a vulnerable team. Um, I think when green Bay went in there, green Bay was not nearly as sharp prepared or any of that stuff. Um, but then you saw what green Bay did to new Orleans. So, um, You know, I think the NFC is a toss-up. I don't think the Buccaneers are um, the clear-cut favorites in the NFC. I think it's going to be a battle between, like, four teams, between the Saints, Buccaneers, Packers, and the Seahawks. Um, So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it. But, yeah, um, this this one obviously made me not fear the Buccaneers nearly as much. And you asked me in the middle of the game, and honestly, I didn't know the answer. I really didn't. But, yeah, I'm not nearly as afraid as the Buccaneers as I
0: was. And I'm going to throw in three other teams that could beat any of these teams on a given week Chicago, uh, the Rams, and the Cardinals. I I can
1: agree with all those except for Chicago. I just don't think Chicago is. I think their defense is. is Their defense is.
0: Yes, but you've seen them already beat the Buccaneers. They held really close, took it to overtime against the Saints. I think that's, that their defense will keep them in enough games that they can pull up an, an upset. Are they going to win multiple games in the playoffs? Probably not. But can they pull off a weird game here or there? Certainly. I think they're capable of at least doing that if they get into the playoffs, which is is strong if yet. I'd like to see them play a, a couple of the other top-tier uh, teams and maybe win somebody. Like, Or we still have yet to see them play Green Bay either. So... The NFC is wide open. Uh, I think the Saints were your Super Bowl pick, if I remember right. I think I had the Cowboys beating the Seahawks, if I remember, uh, and losing to the Steelers in the Super Bowl, who beat out the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So three out of four isn't too bad so far, uh, as far as my preseason picks. But I, in, if I'm going to answer my question directly, though, I'm going to say not only does it change my perception, but it does also confirm it. One, I thought Tampa Bay was way overhyped. The narrative surrounding their offense was a bit too much. I think people were starting to hype on Tom Brady and uh, the rest of what they were all capable of doing and seemed to um, gloss over a lot of the things that I saw were glaring weaknesses with this team. And I do also think that they're a run-first team that is now trying to be a pass-first team all of a sudden with Antonio Brown being there, and I, I really don't think that's going to fit what they're trying to do. If they're going to move away from the run, it's going to be to their own detriment. The other thing I will say in this game is is Levante David left the game for a while, and he makes such a huge difference to that Tampa Bay team. Without him in the middle of that field, I, I don't know... Um, if they're the same defense and have the same level of attitude. But the Saints were also really good at stopping the Tampa Bay pressure. So is Tampa Bay one of the top teams in uh, the conference? Absolutely. Are they capable of beating anybody and possibly going to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. But am I putting them in with the class of like the Ravens, the Steelers, the Chiefs? No, because I think the Chiefs would tear any of these teams apart. All right, let's move to our final game, which was actually an exciting Monday night football game. Patriots win at the gun at, with a game-winning field goal over the Jets, 30-27. to Cam Newton, 274 yards passing, 10 carries, 16 yards, 2 touchdowns on the ground. Damian Harris had 14 carries for 71 yards before he left. Rex Burke had 12 carries, 56 yards, uh, 1 touchdown, 3 catches for 11 yards. The biggest weird story of the day was Jacoby Myers, 14 targets, 12 catches, 169 yards in this game. He was a preseason darling a couple of years ago. Brashad Perriman, uh, 7 targets for 5 catches, 101 yards, and 2 touchdowns. He continues to produce in the games he's actually healthy for. Denzel Mims, 8 targets, 4 catches, 62 yards, and a banged-up Jamison Crowder comes in and has 2 catches for 26 yards and a touchdown, but it was an impressive touchdown. So... This is not a game that I could come up with a lot of great questions for because, as we stated in our preview, if you've got one of or any of these guys starting in your fantasy lineup, you're having a bad year. But would you rather have to start, for the rest of the season, either two Patriots or two Jets players?
1: I'm going to go two Jets, and the two Jets players that I would have Jamison Carter would be one Um, when healthy he's been having a pretty damn good year he's only played five games and three out of those five games he had over 16 points two of them he had over 24 points Um, so he was he's been having a quiet quietly um, productive year and then um, the other person off of that is I would do Denzel Mims um, not because he's, like, setting the world on fire or anything like that. I just think that um, as the week goes on and as the year goes on, um, his production is just going to go up. Um, he is the rookie um, wide receiver, one that they put a lot of stock into. Um, Jamison Crowder and Perriman are not going to be on the team next year, maybe, because their contracts are both up, I believe. Um, so Denzel Mims is the guy. Um, he's uh he's their future. Um, they could have Trevor Lawrence on their team next year, so they're probably trying to get him as much work as possible. Um, so it's not even because I think that he's going to be like a top wide receiver or wide receiver two or anything like that. I just think he's going to have a lot of opportunity towards the, re- for the rest of the year.
0: I'm not sure I necessarily agree on Mims so much as I think they are trying to still force it to Pearman. I think long-term Mims is a good uh, prospect and I agree with most of your analysis on that one, but I just see Adam Gase still using Crowder and Perriman as his primary guys, and it really will depend on which quarterback they have in and what their long-term future is for this going forward. I just can't find two Patriots that I'd really be comfortable starting. Yep. Yep. And I think that's, that's basically what it comes down to. If it was a choice of you had to start one Patriot or one Jet, I think you might go Patriots. But when it gets to two, that's where the dividing line kind of comes in. So kind of a different question, but an interesting one to throw out there. So that wraps it up for this week. Thank you to everyone for listening. We will be back again later this week to preview the Week 10 2020 slate. Uh, Until then.
1: Wear a mask, everybody, and we will talk to you in a couple days.
0: This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our technical provider and distributor is Anchor FM.
1: is not really making the most out of all the opportunities that he had, but there's no one that's taking his spot anytime soon in that backfield. So, yeah, I, I think we, we see him more productive uh, as the rest of the year goes on.
0: I mean, if he continues to uptick in the efficiency, and the one for me that uh, he's been a touchdown guy uh, most of the year, which has helped increase his value. He's had, uh, I think this is his third or fourth game with multiple touchdowns, which has helped him. But this is his second game over 100 yards rushing, and he got involved in the passing game again. So that's where his fantasy value really ticks up. And as a guy who owns a share of him in my redraft league. Again, that league's got Chris Carson, Joe Mixon, uh, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb, and Kareem Hunt. I can't even start all five of those guys in a given week. It was weird that I ended up getting all five of them in in one way or another, but uh, it's kind of exciting for me to have all of these guys back and healthy and doing some uh, good things. Is there a pass catcher in Denver worth having, though— given the amount of garbage time that they're clearly producing. I don't think I'm starting Drew Locke, but they are producing these comebacks every fourth quarter, every single week, and with the amount of garbage time, they're starting to remind me of that one year that Blake Bortles had a huge year because he kept uh, having these garbage time points. Can we see any of these guys being fantasy viable down the stretch for anyone?
1: I think Jerry Judy's getting to that point. I think he's somebody that you think about starting every single week. Uh, We all know how high I've been on him since the summer. Um, I think he was my wide receiver one or wide receiver two. It was between him and CeeDee Lamb. But I know I had him way ahead of Henry Ruggs. And I know I was talking about him eventually taking over the wide receiver room, uh, not knowing that Cortland Sutton was going to get hurt. Um, I think Jerry Judy is an exceptional talent. Um, he's already one of the top route runners in the league he gets open almost every time he takes off from the line of scrimmage so yeah jerry judy is somebody i'm watching for sure that i can think can benefit from all the garbage time opportunities that he's gonna have to face
0: i think he might be one of the few consistent guys i think it upgrades melvin gordon in comparison to philip Lindsay. that's been a point of consternation for some of the fantasy gurus over the last couple of weeks, which one's going to separate themselves. But if they're going to be in passing down situations and garbage time, uh, Melvin Gordon has been the predominant pass catching back. So you'd have to probably give him a little bit more of the edge on that one. And you'd like to say Noah Fant, but right now he's so banged up that it's really difficult to give him um, the same level of credence that we were earlier in the season where he was just eating up targets all over the place and, Uh, He was quite clearly one of the top 10 tight ends right now. If he's going to put up stat lines like that, where he's not even getting 20 total yards uh, for the game, it's really going to be hard not to um, possibly swap him out where there's a guy who's in a little bit better matchup or a different situation. I just, he's a tough one to kind of figure out. Let's go chargers at dolphins. Uh, This one, the throwback uniforms were excellent, uh, the Chargers lose at the Dolphins, however, 29 to 21. Justin Herbert has probably his worst game of the season so far. 187 yards, two touchdowns, one pick, four carries, 10 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, Hunter Henry returns to the land of the living among tight ends. Six catches or six targets, four catches, 30 yards, and a touchdown. Keenan Allen, unfortunately, has probably his worst game since Justin Herbert has been the starter. Seven catches. Seven or excuse me, seven targets, three catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Mike Williams also having a down day, five total targets, two catches, 38 yards. But Kalen Balage, 23 total touches, 102 total yards uh, from scrimmage in this game. Josh Kelly giving way completely, especially now with uh, Justin Jackson and uh, Austin Eckler still out. He only has seven total touches for 21 yards. Tua Tagovailoa, 169 yards passing two touchdowns didn't really need to do a lot he was dealing again with short fields that defense has become rather dominant Devontae Parker seven targets two catches 31 yards including a called back touchdown where he made an extraordinary catch but unfortunately was out of bounds Jakeem Grant the beneficiary of Preston Williams being out for this game five targets four catches 43 yards and a touchdown uh the one weird bright spot of this game Given that Miles Gaskin is out and that they scratched Jordan Howard just before the game, Savan Ahmed or Ahmed, excuse me, 21 carries, 85 yards and a touchdown. So, my first question, though, we have two guys that you were basically picking up off the scrap heap. What are your projections going forward for the next few weeks of Kalen Balaj and Savan Ahmed?
1: Well, last I heard, Balazs was going back on the practice squad, so I didn't even really know that he was playing. And, Akbet, honestly, I don't know much about, so maybe this is a better one for you to answer.
0: So, Gaskin is likely to be out for a few more weeks. He's a guy that apparently they really like. He got clearly the sole amount of volume. I like him in a two- to three-week window, so he's much better for a redraft situation. But if you have some roster flexibility for Dynasty, he could be a guy that you could spot start and uh, start comfortably, given the amount of volume that the Dolphins are clearly going to feature among some of their running backs. Belage, I think you were right that he was likely to go back on the practice squad, but I think it has more to do with what Jackson, or Justin Jackson's situation was going to be. They've now put him on IR and whether Austin Eckler was going to come back. And right now, it doesn't look like either of those guys is going to be um, able to play. So for the short-term viability, I still think Pelage is a um, good pull, given that the Chargers are a good offense and clearly want to establish the run. He's a big physical back who they're getting the ball to in a lot of different ways. He hasn't gotten uh, a lot of goal line touches. Again, Justin Herbert kind of got a quarterback sneak walk-in touchdown it was kind of a weird play on the goal line on like a fourth and one play so i don't know uh if he's gonna vulture you a whole lot of touchdowns but this is a guy at least worth some flex consideration until such time as austin eckler would be coming back all right let's go to the game of the week the hail murray that's so,
1: what's my game of the week
0: yeah uh, Bills lose on the road to the Cardinals, 30-32. to Kylan Murray, 245 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception that really wasn't his fault. It was Larry Fitzgerald's. 11 carries, 61 yards, two touchdowns. Kenyon Drake, surprisingly, 16 carries and 100 yards. When was the last time you could say that? Chase Edmonds, 8 carries, 56 yards, 3 catches, 21 yards. Nuke, 12 targets, 7 catches, 127 yards, and that touchdown to end the game, Uh, essentially. I think it was with two seconds left, so it may not have, but for all intents and purposes. Josh Allen, however, 284 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, The Cardinals kept giving them chances to come back in this one. Seven carries, 38 yards rushing. Cole Beasley, who we talked about earlier in the show, 13 targets, 11 catches, 109 yards and a a touchdown. Stephon Diggs with the touchdown that we thought was going to win the game, 11 Total targets, 10 catches, 93 yards. Uh, I've kind of already asked, but will the Bills ever run the football again?
1: I mean, if they're passing the way that they are, I don't know why you would,
0: right? I don't know either. I You clearly downgrade any uh, advantage that you may have been looking for in Bills running backs moving forward, but they're clearly better when they just constantly throw the ball uh, and why move away from it at this point you're you're it's winning time here's the bigger question though i don't want to be a prisoner of the moment but do you remember the